One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys, welcome to School of the Holy Spirit. Um, I kind of want to build this week on uh, what we talked about last week. Um, had a lot of lot of emails and stuff about riding the the whale, the white whale covered in eyes, and um, you know the concept of um, you know the Lord leading you into the impossible. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of religious people or a lot of people that grew up with a false religious concept of Christianity don't realize that the goal is not utopia. The goal is not like somehow you achieve a place where there's no turmoil and no, um, you know, no strife, no, you know, none, none of the none of the worldly stuff. Um, the Lord actually, he's anointed for darkness, right? The, the, the whole story starts out in Genesis 1. The Lord hunted the darkness. He could have spoke anywhere, okay? He chose to speak into the place where he cast the devil out of heaven and confined him in time. He confined the devil in earth. So why in the world would the Lord decide to plant a garden in the earth, right? So the concept, the concept of turmoil leaving your life um, needs to be shifted to recognizing that the Lord hunts darkness and there's, al- there's always a way, there's always a way for a warrior of the Lord to have the right mindset to release the voice of God into the situation you're in, to transform it, to turn that darkness into light, okay? And so, you know, we talked about the concept of how the Lord transfigures people, the, the metamorphosis he does with people, and and how the uh, the prophetic vision is key to, to that, okay? And so I talked to you about the concept of, you know, Jesus saying in in John 14 about he'd not leave you orphan, that he would be one with the Father and you would be one with with him, right? That, That he would not leave you orphan, he'd come to you, that he would give you his command. And we talked about the word command not being simply the Bible, He's actually the word uh, command is the word telos, right? It's the word, it actually references the vision of the Lord that sees into the future. And so when he says that he would not leave you orphan, he's talking to you about the fact that he would speak to you and reveal his vision for today and the future, okay? And his vision is always what transfigures 
you, it transfigures the situation, it metamorphosizes it, it changes it, right? Heaven invades the darkness, the darkness cannot withstand the light, that's the power of the prophetic. And that's why Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, says the church needs to be centered on the prophetic, okay? And instead, we look more like the synagogue who was built around Scripture, Paul said the church should not be built on Scripture. The church should be built on the voice of the Lord, the living Christ, right? The one who speaks, right? The one, the one who's supernatural, who hunts down darkness and invades it. And so the mindset of a Christian, the most powerful Christian, is the one who expects God to move at any point, knows his voice, and can release the voice of the Lord into any situation. And so you don't fear the darkness, you actually hunt the darkness. You don't fear curses, you hunt curses. You don't fear poverty, you hunt poverty. You don't fear places like Pakistan and India and Islamic nations that behead Christians, you actually hunt them. You don't fear China, you don't fear Russia, you don't fear things, you hunt them. There is no, the perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love, right? What is love? The love, the love of God is the very presence of God with you. Amen. And so, you know, the Lord, this concept of telos is always for a reason. It's always to take you. It's always to give you vision to go into dark places to shift what appears to be impossible to actually attack it with the voice of God, and to release heaven on earth, okay? Um, you know, the Lord has literally started to expand my ministry in places that I never even dreamed of. And about two months ago, uh, the Lord started to speak to me um, that he was going to start releasing me into um, Eastern Europe. And he started to speak to me about nations like Hungary and Slovakia and Germany um, and Lo and behold, a guy from Germany calls me. Just last uh, just last week, I get this email. Uh, young young guy, mid mid twenties. Kid's name is is Jan. Okay, he messages me. He says, "Hey, I've been listening to all of your podcasts. I've listened to all of them. I've read every one of your books." He goes, "But I don't pray in tongues. I want to be. Can you please meet with me?" So. We do a Microsoft Teams call. Fifteen minutes later, Jan is is weeping in the presence of the Lord. He's praying in tongues, uh, and and he's his whole world is getting getting shaken and transformed. Um, but my point is this: the Lord began to speak to me about Slovakia and and Eastern Europe. Okay, the next thing you know. I get this phone call. Do you think that's coincidence or do you think that's strategic, the, that the Lord is strategic? Okay, I get a lot of, I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of call, you know, people trying to hunt me down, that type of thing. Um, I don't take all of them, but the Lord had, not not because I don't want to, I just, I don't have the right, I don't have the time, but um, there are strategic connections that the Lord has for all of us, okay? Okay. Um, and 
you know, there's concepts you can use in, in being connected. I mean, you can keep knocking on people's door, right? I, I kept knocking on certain guys' doors, okay, in 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 my awakening and, and pursuing the anointing and, and all that stuff. But um, specifically with this kid from uh, this young man named Jan uh, from Slovakia, the Lord told me about Slovakia. That's why I took the email. That's why I took the call. Okay, so I'm responding to a direction that the Lord has. And so um, the, the thing that I found out in that phone call with, with Jan is um, there are no Holy Ghost churches for the most part in Eastern Europe. Most of Eastern Europe is um, it's either old, dead, you know, communism. There is no life in communism, but there's a lot of people that suffer from the old communist rule. Um but even what they call Christianity, most of it's Catholicism and powerless forms of Christianity. And he told me there is no Holy Spirit. And so after he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, he's asking me, will you come? Will you, you know, will you? and so, I, you know, I don't know. So right now I'm in prayer about going to this dark place, right? I mean, that's what I do. That's what, that's what the Lord awakens us all to do. And so as I've been praying through this, um, the Lord started to speak to me. He gave me a dream this week, another dream, imagine that, um, as I asked the Lord questions, and I want to talk to you about it, but he spoke these two words to me that I want to emphasize with you um, about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to truly um, have the mentality that Christ had, because Christ had a certain mentality. In, in Isaiah 63, verse 4, Jesus says, my father's vengeance is in my heart. You know what vengeance is? Vengeance is an outcrop of justice. Let's just talk about justice. In in America, do you have a system of justice or do you have a court of law? Okay? Yeah, the answer is you don't have justice. You have a court of law. You know what law is? Law is who has the best lawyers, the most expensive lawyers that can twist the rules that can find the angle that gets you out, or it, do, it doesn't. It doesn't function out of justice. Justice is is what is right, what is consciously correct versus what is consciously cor- wrong, right? And so, when Jesus functioned, when he said, "I have vengeance in my heart," his intent was to bring justice to the earth. His intent wasn't, that's why he had such an issue with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the lawyers. He said, you're basically, you're scum. You guys are scum of the earth. You're a false form of, 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 a, of an Israelite. You are a false form of a Christian because you try to twist the rules and use the rules to your favor instead of doing what is just. And that's a completely different functionality. Okay, Jesus does what is just. He actually hunts darkness and corrects it. He actually hunts captivity, sets the the captive free. He hunts the imprisoned. He hunts the cursed. He hunts them not to condemn people like dead religion does. He actually delivers people. He is their savior, right? And he's looking to awaken people in that in the anointing of the Holy Ghost who flow in justice, who bring vengeance against the enemies of God, casting out devils, right? Taking up serpents, healing the sick, doing the supernatural and delivering people out of darkness, right? 
The Lord hunts darkness. He hunts not to condemn people for being cursed. He hunts people to deliver them out of the curse. Jesus became the curse so that we could be delivered. We could live in in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so having the right mindset, having the right expectation of of justice um, flowing out of vengeance, like vengeance, picture vengeance, like, um, you know, picture a, a, a real warrior, picture Braveheart, right? They're, they're, they're ready to fight for justice. The people were oppressed and they were willing, they would rather, um, they would rather fight and, and, and uh, risk dying than they would live under oppression. Okay? And Jesus is looking for warrior kings. He's looking for people to take his anointing into the darkness with the mindset that they know that Jesus is for the people, not against the people. He's not there to condemn people. You guys ever see those guys that stand out in a corner claiming to be a disciple of Christ and they hold the Bible and say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. How many people did you ever see get saved in a situation like that? Very, very few. And I would argue this, that most that do feel guilty and never get delivered of the guilt because there's only one thing that gets, gets delivered of the guilt. And that's the blood of Jesus. He washes that guilt. He washes condemnation. He does what the law and the Ten Commandments and the powerless Old Covenant could not do. Jesus Christ delivers people. He heals people. He anoints them and makes them new. Right? That's that's the vengeance of God. He drives the darkness out and equips people with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... You as a believer, you as a, an anointed son and daughter of God, you've got to have the right mentality. You've got to understand the picture of darkness. The goal of Christianity is not utopia. The goal of Christianity is not you one day sitting on a beach with your legs propped up, um, you know, drinking Mai Tais. Okay? People say, why do you go to India? I say, I don't know. I have a burning thing in my heart. Number one, Jesus told me to go. And um, they said, where do you get the money? I don't know. Half of the money that I go to India with comes out of my own bank account. I spend tens of thousands of dollars because Jesus told me to go to stand in front of thousands of people and testify of this living God. And would I trade it for the world? Heck no. Is there? Can you put a cost on it? Heck no. But there, there is no money aspect to it. I actually take money out of my bank account to go to India, to go to go to third world countries, to go into the darkness, to, to the darkest places of the earth. And those are concepts that you don't see in the majority of Christian churches today. But you know why? Because they 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 are, are they try to take you into a perfect ending, into a utopia into something that literally doesn't exist. And the reality is, that's not the way the Lord works. The Lord raises up sons and daughters of God, baptizes them in the Holy Ghost, delivers you, and then equips you to go hunt the darkness. That's what makes you a warrior in the garden instead of a gardener in the war. 
And there's a couple concepts that the Lord's been speaking to me about this week that I want to spend some time talking to you about. And that is um, the word uh, dichotomy. Um, the word dichotomy means a division into two, um, especially mutually exclusive or contradictory groups or entities. And so it actually def- divides a situation. In a, in a dichotomy, um, what appears to be just uh, chaos and, um, you know, something that appears to be one, there's a, there's a division, okay? There's always a division, okay? And Jesus, Jesus said, said this, um, I think it's Matthew 11, he says, um, I did not come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword. He goes, within the same household, there will be mother against son, father against, you know, brother, all, all these, all this division. Well, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was just love. I thought Jesus was just happy to get along. No, no. When the sword of the Lord, which is his voice, steps into a situation, it divides, it separates. Okay, and that's a very, that's a very important element that will equip people to go in the darkness. And you have to have the right mindset. You are being sent to deliver. You are being sent to divide false ideals, lies, imprisoning thought processes, demonic powers. Okay, you are dividing them. You are separating them. Jesus said this, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right? So he's at, there's actually a division. Okay? In every situation, there's a dichotomy. The other thing is, is the concept the Lord's been talking to me about is the, is the word paradox. Something that seems to say two opposite things. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, when Jesus went to the desert, you know, people say, oh, you're in the desert. That's a bad place. Well, wait a minute. In Matthew 4, it says that the Holy Ghost led Jesus into the desert. And in the desert, Jesus Jesus verified this as Satan was exposed. Satan was revealed to Jesus. Jesus says, I don't live by bread alone, but I live by the voice. I live by the living voice, the sword of the Lord, and it divides. It allows me to be separated from you, devil. I live by what my Lord is saying, my Father in heaven, the vision of God, what the Spirit of God is saying. His vision is what separates me and divides me from the darkness. So the desert, although it appears, it's a paradox, right? It's, a, it's, it's an, ap, an, it's an act, actual paradox because it is saying two different things. The Spirit of God led Jesus into absolute darkness, barrenness, in the middle of the desert, And Jesus revealed, I live by the voice of God. I don't need your whispering, Satan. I don't need you to offer offer me the world. I don't need you to give me money. I don't need you to give me anything you have to offer. I live by the vision of God. Okay? And so out of this paradox, it says um, when, when when Jesus was done in the desert, when he finished his fight in the desert, it says that he came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Ghost. So was the desert a place of torment? 
Was the desert a place of you screwed up, Jesus, so we're sending you to the desert? There's a lot of pastors and preachers out there that say, well, you got to figure out what you did wrong to get into the desert so we can get you out. That's a lie from the devil. That is an absolute lie from the devil, guys. The desert is an actual paradox, okay? Out of the desert, Jesus came in the power of the Holy Ghost. He shook up the world for three years. He released the power of heaven on earth, right? He released, he drove out demons. He heals the sick. He does the supernatural. He did not do that before the desert. So was the desert a bad place or was the desert a place of awakening? It's a paradox, a dichotomy, a place of division, a place of being separated. And I'm, you know, a lot of you in, in recent years or even right now, many of you are in a desert and you're wondering what you did wrong to get there. And I'm here to tell you, you didn't do anything wrong. The Lord is actually using that place as a dichotomy. He's using it as a paradox. And you're going to come out of the desert in the power of the Holy Ghost. Think of the cross. It's a place of death. The cross is a place of actual death, right? Death. But in death, the Holy Ghost, when Jesus was resurrected by the Holy Ghost, Jesus gave that one thing that resurrected him, the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, stay in this city. I'm going to send the power of the Holy Ghost upon you. So what is the cross? It's a dichotomy and it's a paradox. It both divides and separates and is actually a place of death of sin and a resurrection of life, right? And so God is the God of the impossible. He prophesies to virgins. He prophesied to the Virgin Mary. He overshadowed Mary, right? And he, he says, you're going to give life. You're going to give birth to the Son of God, right? He, he, he spoke to Elisha in, in front of a million-man army. You're going to defeat the million-man army. He told David to kill a giant, right? Was that valley where he faced the giant? Was it a place of, what was it? Was he, did he do something wrong to have to fight a huge enemy? Some of you are fighting a huge enemy right now, and I'm here to tell you, you didn't do anything wrong you're in the very place where you're going to be awakened. You're going to be um, transfigured. You're going to be separated from a dark thing. You're going to be um, coming out of that valley in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are you with me? And so this concept of dichotomy and paradox is so important for you as a, as a believer, as somebody who is truly anointed in the power of the prophetic because the prophetic always is fighting darkness the prophetic is always fighting limitation the prophetic is always fighting um, the lie that imprisons the person in the current state because the lord is is releasing the telos the command the vision of god to take that person into the to the future the destiny that the lord has that for that person right you can you can receive a dream and a vision right now and tomorrow you wake up under a different anointing completely different than you were today okay that's that's how powerful a transformation is that's how powerful the metamorphosis of god is right the transfiguration that's what the prophetic is 
okay? The ability to transform a situation. So why in the world would you fear darkness? Why in the world would you fear anything knowing that it only takes one vision, one dream? I, 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 when I go to a church where I, I go to a city for a weekend and I'm, I prophesy, I prophesy over hundreds of people, hundreds of people on a weekend. I prophesy sometimes, you know, 12, 15, 18 hours in a weekend over people. Hundreds of people's lives are changed, not because of me being present, but because of a mentality of carrying the anointing of the Holy Ghost and having such a trust in the vision of the Lord that when I speak it, demons come out of people. There's an impartation. People weep. People are literally changed, okay? There, there's a metamorphosis before my eyes. And you may say, well, that's a little arrogant. That's Well, no, that's, true, that's the true prophetic anointing, okay? And so there's many of you right now listening to me. And listen, you don't listen to my stuff if, you, if there's not a prophetic calling upon your life. People that are not prophetic cannot listen to my stuff. I am on the far end of the spectrum of the supernatural, and, and um, it draws people who are fighters. It draws people who are tired of being defeated and, and under curses and spells and limited and poverty. They're tired of the world eating them up. Um, you know, what I preach and what I minister and what I carry is a supernatural thing. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for people who are just along for the ride. It's not for people who just want to come and sit in a pew on Sunday. Okay. If I haven't offended you um, already, I probably will. But I mean, if you keep listening to my stuff, um, there is no place for, for pew sitters. There is no place for people sitting on the sidelines. Jesus awakens people to become warriors because there's a call of God on every person's life. Every person. If you're listening to my stuff, if you're still listening to it, there, the call of God is, is, is going to be revealed in your life. And there's going to be a transfiguration coming upon you. Amen. Which gets me to what I want to talk about today. Okay. I had this dream. It was a simple dream this week. Um, and in this dream, um, I'm standing in a barren field. It's a field like in the, in the fall when the corn stalks are, are cut down. Um, and I'm, I'm in this field and um, I'm sitting on a tractor and there's a plow. Okay. There's a plow connected to the tractor. And I, I go to start the engine because I have to plow the field. It's fall. I have to plow the field and get it ready for planting in the spring. Okay. And so I turn the key and nothing happens. I turn the key and nothing happens. And off in the distance, I see Jesus coming toward me. Okay. Jesus has under his arm um, uh, what, what he's he starts talking to me about, the altar of incense. And I said, what are you carrying? He says, the altar of incense. Um, I said, well, my tractor won't start. He goes, I, I have the solution for that. And so he takes the altar of incense and puts it in the compartment under the tractor where the engine's supposed to be. And he says, this is the most powerful engine on earth. And he says, try it now. I turn, I turn the key and boom, this, this tractor fires up. It's humming, baby. Um, and he goes, wait a minute. He goes, you're entering a season of continual harvest. <laughs> and he goes back to the plow and he puts the plow all the way down he he reaches the blade all the way 
Um, he, he adjusts the blade so that it's all the, as far down as the blade will reach into the ground. And he said, let her rip. And when I started to go, when I started to uh, leave my foot off the clutch and, and the tractor kicked in, um, the plow starts turning up soil. And what happens when the soil turns up are people start coming out of the barren field. Okay, the barren field is producing people. And when they come out of the ground, they have this banner down around their shoulder and it says the spirit of prophecy. And man, I'm telling you what, I woke up out of that dream. The hair in my arms is standing up. It's standing up on me right now because this is my dream. This, this is my dream. Ten years ago, the Lord told me that I would have a prophetic school that will produce uh, a prophetic anointing that would be supernatural. And this dream goes hand in hand with, with what I do, with where I go and what I do to equip people. Um, and the Lord, I just, you know, the Lord started to speak to me about the power of the altar. Um, you know, a lot of you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but there's a lot of people that forego the power of the altar of incense. Okay. Why would the Lord put me in a barren field with a tractor that won't start and make sure that I'm aware of the power of the altar of incense? What is the power of the altar of incense? Okay. The altar of incense um, was stationed in, in, in the tabernacle of Moses um, there were three things in the holy place, which, you know, the holy place was the room um, in front of the veil before you got into the Holy of Holies, where the where um, the Lord sat on the mercy seat that was upon the Ark of the Covenant, right? Okay, and so the three things in the, um, the three things in the, uh, holy place were the showbread, the table of showbread, the seven branch candlestick, right? The, the sevenfold spirit of God. And then there was the, the altar of incense. The altar of incense was the gate, the gatekeeper, so to speak, to going into, it's where the priests stopped before they went into uh, the veil, behind the veil. It's how you get behind the veil, okay? And so the altar of incense is actually um, representative of your prayer language. It's representative of you releasing a scent, an incense, to the Lord that brings you behind the veil, right? Jesus, Jesus um, uh, you know, the, the intent of Jesus was that the veil was torn, right? He, he tears the veil. He gives you access and so how do you get to the, to the holy place? You have access, but how do you get there? Well, the altar of incense is still in play. You have to step into the spirit. You have to um, transcend the limitations of the veil, of the earthly veil, right? Jesus tore the veil, but how do you get into the spirit? It's, it's, a, it's, a, sim, it's a symbolic aspect of transcending limitation, Okay. You're, you are, you are um, bound in an earth, earthly vessel, right? Your body is an earthly vessel. You have a soul, but your spirit lives. Your spirit is alive in Christ. You are baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
Okay, so how do you transcend the limitation of the body? You pray in the Holy Ghost. Okay, the altar of incense um, is a tra transcending power. It is a, um, a breakthrough power. It is a power um, that the Lord equips you with to break through, right? If you, if, if you fall on your knees right now, you begin to pray in, pray in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have done this so much. Within 30 seconds, you are behind the veil. You are in the presence of God. Some of you, it takes 20 minutes. Some of you, it takes 40 minutes. New believers, it may take longer. But whenever you pray enough, you break down that wall, right? Jesus broke down the middle wall separation, but your body um, is a limiting factor in, in how quick that you get into the presence, into the anointing, so to speak, of the Holy Ghost. Okay, people say, what? Well, how do you see vision so often? How do you? How did you learn to prophesy? I prayed in tongues hours a day. One year, I prayed in tongues six hours a day for a year. Okay, I pray in tongues because tongues is supernatural. Tongues is the engine that pulls the tractor. And the Lord was signal, signaling to me in this dream that there's going to be instant reproduction. There's going to be people. That, have, that are a product of the prayer, a product of the years of intercession, a product of the years of plowing. In this season, there are people coming out of the ground clothed with a banner of prophecy, okay, doing supernatural things, doing things that are beyond our wildest um, imagination, okay? Things that, that cannot, they cannot, uh, th things that... Um, are beyond your comprehension because they're prophetic, okay? They are the product of the spirit of prophecy, right? Where, where does the Lord talk about the spirit of prophecy? He talks a lot about it in the, in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 19, it says that Jesus Christ is the, is the, the, the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So to testify of Jesus, the prophetic actually breaks down the middle wall, right? So what happens when I prophesy to people? When I prophesy to people, why do they weep? Why do they cry? Why do they, um, why the supernatural things, why do demons come out of people? Why? Because it transcends the limit of the, of the earthly body. Okay, it literally breaks through the limitation of, of the earthbound person. Okay, it breaks through, touches their spirit, and their spirit is made alive. Their spirit weeps. Their spirit is crying out right now, even though people don't know about it. They're crying out for the prophetic. They're crying out to hear the voice of God. There's a son and daughter locked inside of people, walking up and down the streets all around you, waiting for you to prophesy to them. Okay, waiting for you to actually speak the life of God into them, to break them out of their limitation. That's the power of the prophetic. Okay, and in the context, it's a, it's a dichotomy. It's a, it's a paradox. You know, why? Because it's a war. You're in a war. Okay, so Jesus Christ paints this picture. In, in Revelation 19, verse 11 to 15, it says, Jesus Christ is riding a white horse. His eyes are blazing of, of fire. Right? He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. 
On his thigh is written his name, the word of God. He is the word. He is the one who speaks out of heaven. He himself testifies to people when he steps into the room as you prophesy and they weep and cry because that's Christ present in the room. Not because you're prophesying and you're this great prophetic guy. It's because Jesus is on his horse coming out of heaven, stepping into the room. Right. And it said it goes on in verse 15. It says in righteousness, he judges and makes war. What's happening when he when you prophesy, you're bringing judgment against the darkness. You're breaking down the wall, everything that separates the person from the presence of the Lord. And you're releasing his justice. The vengeance of God is coming into the person's life. And you're literally releasing the realm of heaven upon people who've never experienced it before, okay? That's supernatural. That's, that's something that um, it, it's, it, it's unexplainable. But once you, once, you in, once you endure your season of praying in the Holy Ghost, there's something that switches in a person. The Lord actually, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know how to say this, He rewards you. There is a... Um, there is victory at the end of your prayer at the, at the season of prayer life where suddenly visions begin to flow like water it's like going into the cupboard and choosing what you want you get to see visions and have dreams and things just happen right there is no way 17 years ago when i was first baptized in the holy ghost uh, to to be able to dream dreams and have visions like this but it's a maturing process and so what's the lord saying to me in this situation with this dream, okay? Number one, um, the reminder with you guys is to pray, right? The altar of incense is about prayer. The altar of incense is about the engine that literally produces the supernatural. Tongues produce the supernatural. Tongues produces visions and dreams. Tongues produce things. You're actually praying for people. You're praying for the next harvest. Okay. So why is this important? Because the Lord actually promises continual harvest, not just times and seasons of harvest. If you go to Amos chapter nine, verse 12 and 13, the Lord says in that day, I will raise up and restore the fallen tabernacle of David. What is that? That's you. Okay. That's not the church. That's not a dead synagogue. That's not a, that's not a building. That's not no earthly structure. The tabernacle of David, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, guys. The tabernacle of David is, a, is a, the Lord himself actually came to David and said, No, David, you're not going to build me a house. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7. You're not going to build me a house. I'm making you the house. So the house of God is people. People are the house of God. So the only veil... Um, that exists is the human, the humanly veil and prophecy breaks through the humanly veil. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but you got to make the connection that the Lord promises to awaken the house of God, the tabernacle of David in men. Okay. Continuing on in the verse and, and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up and restore its ruins and rebuild it as it was in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of of Edom. What is the remnant of Edom? It's the enemies of God. It's the limitation. It's the demonic powers. It's, it's 
the uh, limitations, okay? The limitations of the flesh, the limitations of the world, the limitations that demonic powers put on people, okay? He's prophesying that you will possess your enemy, okay? And all the nations that are called by my name, says the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest, the reaper, and the one who treads the grapes shall overtake him who sows the seed. For the harvest continues until planting time. What's the Lord prophesying here? He's prophesying that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. A continual harvest. What's the Lord speaking to me in my life? That there will be a continual harvest. <laughs> that although the field appears, appears barren. Listen to me, guys. We're getting prophetic now. Although the although the although the field appears barren before you, the Lord is saying that if you put the engine in your tractor and you dig deep the plow into its deepest, you will produce fruit. You will produce something, even though on the surface the field looks like um, there's no life in it, there's no barrenness in it. Um, the Lord is saying that he carries the altar of incense. He carries the ability to equip you to pray the ultimate engine, this gift of tongues to be able to produce a harvest. Okay. Um, people coming out of the ground prophesying. Do you ever see somebody come out of the ground prophesying? I, uh, man, I've, to I've told a lot of stories, but, um, I had this guy, I had, think I told this story before. I'm going to tell it again, though. I had this guy named Justin in, uh, in El Dorado, Arkansas. He gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. And his girlfriend, they get whacked. I mean, talking like totally filled with the Holy Ghost. They're on fire. They're shaking. Um, it's happened on a Friday night. And the next morning, I was doing an all-day prophetic class. We had like 40, 50 people that uh, the pastor had organized, people that were chasing the Lord, that, that uh, none of them prayed in tongues. None of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, but they wanted it. And so um, the pastor organized this all-day Saturday class. We had like three sessions. And the intent was that by the end of the night that they were all going to be prophesying, okay? And so I'm I'm I'm... I'm talking, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, all of a sudden, in the back of the room, Justin says, I just had a vision. I just had a vision. I said, what was it? And again, this guy just got baptized in the Holy Ghost the night before. And so I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about visions and dreams, okay? And this, this kid, Justin, he jumps up, and he says, I had a vision of this guy in the front row that uh, when I laid my hand on him, that he would be filled with the Holy Ghost and he'd pray in tongues. And I asked, I asked the guy in the front row, I said, do you know anything about the Holy Spirit? You ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? He goes, nope, I just came in off the street. <laughs> He's actually smelled of alcohol. He had alcohol in his breath. Okay. I, I said, come here, Justin. Justin lays his hand on this guy. I coached him on what to pray. All of a sudden, the guy in the front row starts praying in tongues, shaking like a leaf, falls to the ground, gets up sober and in his right mind. And he goes, oh, I just had a vision. I said, of what? And, and the guy, um, he says, I had a vision of the, of the clerk um, down at the local gas station. She needs to get saved. She needs Jesus. 
And so he literally, I send a guy with him. He runs down the street. They come back a half hour later. Um, the story was that he stood in line, got up to the counter, told the girl that the Lord sent him down here, that she needed Jesus. She fell face down on the counter, started crying in the middle of the store. She's shaken in the presence of the Lord, gives her life to Jesus. Okay. Now that all happened from a guy who was just baptized in the Holy Ghost, sees his first vision. The first vision he ever sees gets a drunk guy baptized in the Holy Ghost, sobers this guy in his right mind, who then goes down and leads a person to Christ. How does that happen? That's called continual harvest. That's called that no matter where you walk into the darkest places of the earth, no matter how barren the field looks, the Lord sends the prophetic anointing to awaken dead things. He sends the prophetic anointing to get the whole room, to get everybody there baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, right? Because once they, once everybody in the room has the engine, then it multiplies. Then everybody has the power to see the vision of the Lord, to release the vision of the Lord, right? We talked about the vision of the Lord last time and how powerful the eyes of the Lord are that picks fights in the midst of battle and then multiplies people with those butterflies coming upon the people that are on the beach, right? They're not in the, they're not in the battle, right? If you haven't listened to that, you need to go back and listen to it. But instantly, when, when I go into barren fields, and I've done this a lot, I go into churches, somehow the pastor says, we want the Holy Ghost. Nobody here prays in tongues, but they want the Holy Ghost. Um, I walk in, I spend a weekend, I prophesy over people, they weep, they cry, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. And the next thing you know, the whole church is praying in tongues. Okay, that's called continual harvest. Okay, that's called, even though it looks barren, underneath the soil, underneath, listen to me guys, underneath, I don't care what the, how, how bad the person's resisting, there's, there's, a, there's a spirit man locked inside that person who's crying out for the real thing. They're crying out for the authentic Christ, the real Christ. They're not, they're not, they don't want the fake um, dead religious Sunday morning, punch your clock and out the door you go, false fake Christianity that never changes anything except confining people in dead religion. That's actually satanic. It's actually a doctrine of demons to get you to believe, somehow believe Jesus without the anointing. Believing Jesus without the anointing is fake. It's not Christianity. In fact, Jesus baptizes people in the Holy Ghost. Okay? The baptism of John is repentance. The baptism of Jesus Christ is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost, when he comes upon a man, does a couple things. Number one is he equips them to pray in a supernatural language. He equips them to dream dreams and have prophecy. He equips them to have visions and prophesy, words of knowledge, miracles, supernatural signs and wonders. It's a work of the Spirit. It's something that the man cannot do himself. If he can do it himself, they don't need God. If they don't need the God of the impossible, then it's not Christianity. True Christianity has a mentality where you hunt darkness because you know the God who raises the dead heals the sick, cast out demons, baptize, and transforms dead fields into productive, Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking, uh, spirit-filled, prophesying, vision-seeing, transform transformation, 
you got it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Supernatural workers of the spirit, right? People come out of the ground with a banner of prophecy on them from a, from a barren field and begin to reproduce. Okay, so the prophecy, the prophecy is the plowman shall overtake, the plowman shall overtake those who gather. And so my prophecy, and this, I pray this prayer all the time, that I will sink my plow into the ground and I will reproduce so fast that I will even run over the people. <laughs> I will even run over the grape, the vineyards, right? That, that are slow, the vineyards that are slow, not producing wine, right? The olive fields that are, that are slow, not producing, not producing olive oil fast enough. I will run you over with my tractor. <laughs> I will run you over because the Lord has a continual harvest, a supernatural harvest, a faster harvest, a, a people who will bap, be baptized in the Holy Ghost on one night and on the next day, just like happened on the day of Pentecost, it says the wind of God came, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they prayed in tongues, then prophesied, and the church was birthed from a barren city. Israel was a barren city until that wind blew. But as soon as that wind blew and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon the people, instantly that plow dug into the ground and produced a prophetic people. 2,000 people birthed into the church because people began praying in tongues and prophesying. They began seeing the vision of the Lord and prophesying the vision of the Lord and the supernatural began to happen in that city, okay? And we talked about this last time. How, do, how does metamorphosis happen? How does transfiguration happen, right? It's because of the anointing. We talked last time about um, the chronological sequence of Matthew 16, um, and the next step was Mark 9. Matthew 16 is where Jesus was walking into one of the most demonized places on earth. It's where they... The Caesarea Philippi, they, they worship the Greek god Pan, right? They sacrifice children into this huge open uh, pit, into this natural hole. They called it the devil's cave or the devil's mouth. They, they sacrifice children in this place. And Jesus took the disciples into the darkest place of the earth, and he asked them a pointed question. He says, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, they think this, and they say that. And he says, no. I didn't ask you about what they think of me or what they think I am, this Jesus. I want to know what you think. And Peter had a revelation. He, he didn't say anything else that man said. He said what the Holy Ghost said. You know what he said? He said, you are the Christ, Jesus. You are the anointing. He didn't say you're Jesus. He said you're the anointing. You are Jesus Christ. Do you ever notice that you can even say Jesus these days and it doesn't mean that much because people have their own definition. But when you say the anointing, when you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and you, whenever you talk about the Holy Spirit, the blasphemy of the world against the Holy Spirit, you know why? Because Satan fears the anointing. Satan fears the Christ, the anointing. The word Christ means the anointing, the equipping of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus was pointed in his question with the disciples. He didn't ask them, do you believe I'm Jesus? 
He asked that what could only be revealed by the Spirit, and that was that he was the Christ. He was the anointed one. Why is this so important? Because Jesus then turns around and he says, I will give you the keys. I will give you all authority. That's what the keys mean. I will give you all authority. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about under the anointing, you see the vision of the Lord. And if you see the vision, it's already been bound. When you bind your heart to his vision, it's already happened. It's as good as done. When I prophesy to people and the Lord gives me vision, I speak the vision. I believe it so profoundly. It's already been done. I'm releasing an impartation to people. That's what. That's why people weep. That's why they cry. That's why they fall to the ground because I believe and my heart is a gate that releases the anointing. It's already been bound in heaven. And when I see the vision of the Lord, I'm releasing what I bind my heart to. Okay? And, and he, the, set, the next line is, um, whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. The loosing is, is separating from. So when I cast a demon out of a person under the finger of God, the Holy Ghost, I'm casting out a demon under the anointing. Okay? I'm breaking a person free of darkness and binding their heart to the vision of the Lord. That's why it's supernatural. It's a, it's a, sometimes it's an instantaneous metamorphosis. It's a transfiguration. It's an impartation of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And so when Jesus, the next thing Jesus does, he takes Peter, John, and James up that mountain. And I know I'm repeating myself from last week, but this has to be deep into your soul, guys. This has to be deep into your heart because it's how transfiguration happens. Okay? Jesus took them up the mountain. Which mountain did he take them up to he took them up to the very mountain where the the uh, fallen angels settled the angels that the lord kicked out of heaven came and and they landed on the mountain that overlooked where they worshiped the greek god pan okay so jesus went up the very mountain where the fallen angels came where the fallen angels landed and he, he's, he's actually mocking the enemy. He's actually saying, I am the son of God. They call themselves sons, but they're liars. They're fake. They're imposters. And Jesus is saying, I am the son of God. And he goes up and he hears his father's voice. And he was, it says that he was transfigured. Okay. Transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. Okay. How was Jesus transfigured? It says the cloud overshadowed them. And the voice came out of the cloud. Okay, what's the voice represent? It represents the direct voice of God, the vision, the dream of the Lord, and Jesus glowed. The glory of God was on him when the voice came upon him. Are you, are you connecting the dots? You have to hear the voice of the Lord. You have to put the altar of incense in your tractor and, and put that plow down, turn the engine over, put that plow down and begin to plow and you will see transfiguration. You will see a metamorphosis. Just as Jesus was changed before their eyes, it equipped him. You know what happened after the Mount, uh, Mount of Transfiguration? Immediately, Jesus came down off the mountain. He did a few other miracles, but he made a beeline to Jerusalem. It was time for Jesus to go to the cross. 
It was time for Jesus to take the sin to the grave, to be resurrected and impart to the people the power that transfigures. The same thing that transfigured him, he was given to the people. He was he didn't die for the bad stuff, for the sin. He died, that was part of it. But he died to give you the resurrection that you would no longer be bound in sin, but you would be bound in the life, the vision of the Lord in hearing his voice and what Peter, James, and John saw in the metamorphosis of Christ, which is a reflection of the voice of God, that you too would be given dreams and visions with the ability to pray in tongues and prophesy and release his vision on the earth and instantaneously dead fields, fields that are barren, would be changed. They would be transformed into the supernatural, right? They would be transformed into something that did not exist, okay? And I'm here to tell you guys that Jesus Christ is the God of the supernatural. He is the God that uh, hunts the darkness. He actually looks for people who understand that he's a dichotomy and that he's a paradox, He's a dichotomy because he goes into the darkness to divide it. He's a paradox because in the midst of what natural man would call a place of death, a place of, um, of being abandoned, like right? they mocked Jesus. They said, where's your God when he went to the cross, right? Jesus, Jesus was alone in the desert, right? Where's your God? But Jesus, holding fast to the vision, came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. The paradox was that Jesus was actually sent to the desert by the Holy Spirit to conquer the devil, to come out and give the people the supernatural power of God. And then Jesus went to the cross, right? Another paradox to divide darkness, to separate you and me from the darkness to give us life, to give us life in the Holy Ghost, to give us resurrection power. Are you with me, church? My God, you see, it's prophetic. You see, I don't care where you're at right now, but what you think is barren is actually an opportunity. What you think is a place of death is actually an opportunity. What you think is hopeless and a place of despair is a paradox. It's a dichotomy. It's a place of dividing the light from the darkness. It's a place of, of victory where there is no possibility of victory because Jesus Christ is the God of the impossible. He's the God that causes um, a, a baby to appear in a woman's belly. He's the God that heals the sick. He's the God that raises the dead. He's the God that plants a seed in your heart and says, one day, you are going to run a business. One day, you're going to run a school. One day, you're going to um, heal people with your hands. One day, you're going to preach. One day, you're going to prophesy. One day, I'm calling you to another nation. One day. You see, that's the power of a mind that expects Jesus Christ in the midst of absolute impossibility. He is the God of the impossible. And I decree over you that your field is not barren, but it's about to re it's about to produce something, right? It's about to produce because the plowman overtakes the reaper. 
In the, in the world of Jesus Christ, the plowman overtakes the reaper. And just as the Lord was prophesying over me that I'm putting a new engine in you, <laughs> I'm putting a new engine in you this season, and you are going to reproduce people prophesying at a faster rate. You're going to reproduce. You're going to go into, I'm sending you to what appears to be a barren field. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm sending you to what appears to be a barren field. And there's going to, as, as the plow flows through the soil, there's going to be hundreds of people lined up row after row after row after row who will pray in tongues and prophesy. So right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just, I just release this grace of reproduction, this season of harvest. Lord, I decree that the season is not barren. I decree that it is not dark, that the light hunts the darkness, that you make warrior kings, Lord, um, warriors in a garden, not gardeners in a war. I decree right now that you are making people, Lord, supernatural, and that the grace of expectation, Lord, that they expect you in the darkest place. I pray, Lord, that they expect you in the darkest place. And people have never had a dream or a vision, Lord. I pray right now that you would awaken the dream and the vision of the Lord to come upon them right now. Lord, baptize them in power, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, I pray that you take this dream seriously. Um, the Lord, um, some of you have been stagnant. Some of you have not moved for a long time. Some of you have not seen um, the, the things that you thought were going to happen. And the Lord um, has been waiting for you to try to start the tractor and call on his name that he would put a new engine in you. <laughs> so, Lord, right now, every person that's been hesitant in prayer, every person, Lord, um, that has even been barren in prayer, that has um, tried to be a Christian without a motor, <laughs> Lord, I pray for every person who's never been baptized in the Holy Ghost to have their motor installed right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, for the motor of the Holy Ghost, for the gift of tongues and every gift that flows out of the gift of tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, wisdom, faith, the working of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Lord, wisdom, Lord, let all those gifts come upon the people right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the gift of tongues be activated right now. Lord, on the count of three, come on, one, two, three, begin to pray with me, guys. Prote disto bronde, bandele alla basoto brabide ebe, balinde brescio, caletto brasote brea la labosse, bremeno babandole, brava robasi. I prophesy over you that the engine has been imparted to you, that you are going to see supernatural things in your life. You're going to see uh, pr production, spiritual production where you've never seen it before because I declare over you, you've been, you've been engineized. You've been equipped in the Holy Ghost and your field is not barren, but it is ripe for harvest, says the Lord in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, have a great week. Um, find somebody to pray for, find somebody to prophesy to, find somebody to witness the real Jesus. And uh, keep sending me those testimonies, keep sending me questions. I enjoy those questions. They actually spur me. And um, until we talk again, um, pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.